took a, I was just noticing, I, I, I took a, a rock to the forehead when I was mowing the yard. <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a full on face shield now that I own a, like a industrial uh, strength weed whacker. Yeah. Yeah. That thing has saved me quite a few times. And I, you know, obviously wear my glasses underneath that. So, right. Uh, oh, that's good. Multiple yeah. layers of protection. I am a safety, safety hey. third. Yeah, ex exactly. Oh man. Well, I, uh, I'm excited to hear about your, your latest travels <laughs> because that seems just... to be what you do. You're, you're just like, I, you know, there's architecture out there. I must experience it and you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, you're living the dream. You're living the dream. Yeah. Tommy. And as I'm posting things, I keep, I have other people say, oh, have you seen this one? I'm like, no, I haven't. So I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> let go. me write, let me write that down. Okay. And so this weekend, uh, there is another home in Ann Arbor. Oh, wait, there's more? There is more. <laughs> There's more we keep, coming. We could just, oh you know, God. keep talking about this. It. Is Cormac's summer architecture travel so, series is uh, yeah. So I had texted you while I was driving, saying I need to get you out here because yeah. as I'm driving through this, sure I've got a car full of my wife who is she is an appreciator, so she was actually excited about it, and then I have my daughter and dog in the back, and they're just like more architecture stuff why you know i just want to because do i took that. you to Lollapalooza, daughter that's why there you go there you go it's like because actually here's exactly you what owe i told me. her here's exactly what i told her i was just like you've asked me you you've told me what you want to do today and we'll do that but along the way there are some things that i can do for myself that your mother and i will enjoy and she's like whatever you know? everybody must sacrifice yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a it's bit. that it's that teenage roll your eye, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um just like when that we disrespectful used to... <laughs> eye roll. Yeah, it's great. It's it's like when we have that conversation with when we were still living in DC and we would roll into a place and they'd say, Is this history? Like, yeah. Like, great. Like it's just like, wait, what it do you sinks. mean? I think you're right. Oh, it is great. <laughs> so we were driving through Cranbrook, basically Cranbrook education communities, I guess. Cranbrook schools. I don't really know exactly what the entire thing is, but for those of you who don't know what Cranbrook is, that it is a lower school, elementary, a higher school, middle school, and high school and a university and the whole entire campus was designed by Elil Saarinen. And what we were originally doing is we were looking for the Saarinen house. I, she put in again, my navigator who, you know, absolutely love that she's <laughs> would loves to do this for me. But well, she doesn't want to die, Cormac. She doesn't want you to do it while driving. That's well, no, it's, it's more just the fact, you know, you know, it's just like she knows I'm going to pull over, get out of the car, drool a little bit, and take pictures and, and all of that other stuff. But, and thankfully, in some of the cases, she actually gets out and, and looks, looks around with me. 
<laughs> she um, pretends to be interested. Or at least pretends to be interested, yes. <laughs> and so she was just like, you know, hey, there's a there's a Saranen house. I'm like, Saranen house? And she's, yeah, it was just exactly, it's like, I was like, which one? Allele or Arrow? And she, you know, she kept looking, she's like, it's Allele. And I was like, okay, well, where is it? And she goes, it's in, uh, it's in West Bloomfield. I'm like, okay. And so we were following the directions to it and we, you know, we, we get close to it. I think we missed it a couple of times to be quite honest with you. And, but it was in, it was actually in the Cranbrook campus or on the Cranbrook campus. Oh. And if you haven't been to the Cranbrook campus, it's amazing. There's a lot of beautiful architecture from both Saarinen's, you know, father and son, a couple of other, you know, amazing buildings. Overall campus is just, I mean, the way that it's done. You now, every time I go there, I get a greater and greater appreciation for the Saarinen's. Mm. Um, but you don't learn a lot. You learn a lot about the early works of Allele because that was you know, kind of what, like where he grew up. Um, mm. but you learn a lot about late career. Sorry, did I say Allele? I meant yeah. Arrow. Oh, okay. So you learn the early, you, know, you learn about early Arrow, but you learn about late Allele. That's what I meant to say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Can, and, give me but, an idea of the geography here, because I don't know anything. So when, when you said that name of that neighborhood, I have no so idea what you're talking about. West Bloomfield, the basically Bloomfield, West Bloomfield, Farmington Hills, you know, these kind of areas, Birmingham are the Western suburbs, the more affluent Western suburbs of Detroit. Okay. And so there, there are a lot of pretty amazing bits of architecture there. A lot of, there's this amazing, and I still haven't been there and it's on my bucket list of things. So, you know, stay tuned for this amazing brutalist, um, chapel that is really, really cool. I've seen photographs from the inside of it and it looks basically like an upside down ship hull and kind of think a la the, um, temple of Beth El Shalom that Wright did, but without mm. all of like the little pokey things in it. It's just, it's like a smooth hull. <laughs> Without the pokies. Exactly. Right. I mean, what what is what is the appropriate word for like pokey little adornment on right. on a ship hall? Um, no idea. But so we just we we started driving and we and, we, and so it's kind of on the western western side of the Detroit metro area, kind of getting a little bit more into like a hilly area, very green. So a lot of things are like kind of like tucked in, and so you don't really see a lot of things, or at least you don't like immediately see a lot of things. And so we started like, I apparently I drove past these Wright houses twice and she goes, wait, Frank, they've got some Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, houses here. And I'm like, they do. And so we doubled back and started driving through there after we were uh, driving the campus. But I mean, I, I kind of like, like I was telling you, I was like, love to get you out here just to kind of like look at some of this. What's amazing, what I've been learning as I like drive around from, you know, the eastern side of Detroit through Detroit and out into the western suburbs, there is such a treasure trove 
of mid-century modern work throughout the, mm-hmm. the region. That's just, it's, it's amazing. You know, Minero Yamasaki practiced here. Albert Kahn practiced here. Smith Group started here. Let's see, there's, there's, um, Harley, um, L, Harley Ellis Devereaux. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they start, they, they're, they started here and one of their headquarters or one of their buildings or offices is here. A couple of other, you know, larger firms that you don't realize that they started here, but they started here. <laughs> it's pretty amazing that there's just like all of this early work. It's like, oh, this was this Smith Rillis and something, which is what Smith Group was early on. Mm-hmm. And, but then you look at like some of the other, some of the other names that used to work at Smith Group and learned or were like draftsmen at Smith Group. And you're like, wait, right? who's this Albert Kahn guy? You know, it's just like who, who basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is to throw out just an example, and so it's 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 really kind of interesting. And so now I'm on a mission to start to hunt down all of these other ones. And you know, and we talked You're about playing Pokemon, architectural Pokemon, exactly. Got to catch like, them all. Got to catch them all because <laughs> because what's what was very interesting is we had talked about last time on like the big right field trip that I had met the son of Bertram Goodhue. Well, come right. to find out, there's a Bertram Goodhue chapel on Cranbrook's campus. And it's like all of this stuff starts to like weave its way in, in together. And so we looked at two pretty amazing Usonians. One's a little smaller, but then there's this one that just kind of blew me away because it... Fully encapsulated. I mean, he's got this gift of being able to kind of like integrate into the landscape, especially if it's a terraced landscape. Mm. He's really capturing kind of like that layering effect of the back half of this lot falling away. Why don't you you just like pull up your Instagram and share your screen so that we don't have to edit this in later, but you can actually show the image of the project you're talking about. I guess I can do that. Look at us. Using Look at us doing some weird technology stuff. All right. Um, huh? I do not have Revit come up. Because nobody needs to see Revit at all. My wife was cursing the Revit today. Well, everybody should be cursing the Revit today. Stealing her life away. It's a, it's a soul sucking beast. Okay, so, me, some screen share here, and yeah, but ever do, can we see? I can see it. All right. So All right. before you before you move on, we're just gonna let the audio listeners know that there are visuals on the screen right now. We're sharing them on the YouTube version of this. Yes, so Lee. You might want to check it out. Yes, Lee. You were... <laughs> well, Lee, Lee was Lee was <laughs> Lee was watching the YouTube version. <laughs> it's just Cormac knows that you know this is a podcast, audio podcast, or or whatever he said. But I guess Lee, I do on. know. It's just like... <laughs> so, as as you can kind of see, go starting from kind of the street view entry. Uh, this is a really, really thin door. Like 
we're talking okay, about. So this is, you have this to be really code. good at describing this for the people who will absolutely refuse to go to YouTube to watch this right now. Okay, but so those who are... It's, you have to so, describe the alternate uh, title of this image. <laughs> so the alternate... So let's let's just start with, and if anybody feels like looking it up or at least going to my Instagram and we'll we'll send a link to the Instagram on on the podcast. On the but, show notes. In the show notes. Yeah. But this is the Gregor S. and Elizabeth B. Affleck house. And no, Michelle, it's not the Ben Affleck house. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's this beautifully terraced Usonian house that actually from the, the street face is the, is the, you know, basically the main floor entry. The main, the entry door is tucked back. So you really don't see it when you first approach. It's kind of like a, a hidden little peekaboo behind this mass, which, you know, I can only assume is kind of like the center hearth and kind of like, you know, main kind of like utility area. Unfortunately, I missed the few times that uh, this will be open for tours. Mm. And um, this is owned by uh, Lawrence Tech University. And so they only have certain tours throughout the year and I've missed this seasons, but and so you know, it's beautifully like tucked into what is weirdly a um, kind of a multifamily development around it. It's like one of the only single families. I very much suspect that this at one point in time was one of the only houses there. And what's, what's really nice about this is so it's kind of flat from the street level, but you can see the site kind of falling off behind it. And so, of course, he captures that kind of atmosphere, that, that aspect of it falling off to kind of terrace the house beyond. And so as you start to like walk around the house, you start to really understand that terracing. And because of like his use of like red brick and stuff and the way that the dappled light and everything kind of comes through, it really does sort of melt into the landscape. I was going to say, when you sent these, I thought you were actually sending me pictures of the project that you described in maybe the last episode or the one before that, because it was very similar. It's like, he doesn't believe in garages. There's a carport, right? Oh, yeah. It's the first thing yeah. you see is yes. a carport. And then you, you talked about how the land kind of sloped off in the back of the house and the house yeah. really opened up. And that this one does the same thing. I think what's so interesting about the Affleck house here is that it's, it's basically one material. It's a, it's a bunch of volumes and kind of yeah. collided planes it's like a collision yeah. and volumetric exercise and today this would not be one material i know no pretty much i mean it and i can't speak for every architect out there <laughs> you know if this was richard meyer it would just be white but <laughs> true but but today you know we we see so many projects where every volume is a different material or there's at least three different materials or something like that too delineate the volumes from each mm -hmm. other and here it's just well I, I actually it's so small on my screen i can't tell it looks like it's actually two materials it looks like brick and wood but it, yeah, so it all is kind of in the same color palette so it just kind of all goes together at least in this lighting it kind of looks very yeah similar. all all of the cantilevered bits are wood so they've there's like a cantilever canopy over a small terrace area and the terrace area is even skirted with kind of a lap siding 
and there's a couple of like little lapsodies. There, there is some copper, kind of like copper elements that have patinaed mm. nicely, and so they kind of disappear. Uh, but for the most part, it really is red brick with a red stained uh, wood siding. All of yeah. the eaves, wood, you know, all of the fascia, all of the eaves, everything is a red wood. And so it kind of blends in, you know, you, you think about like the red, the red of the brick and the red of the wood, and then you see the setting of these green trees and you wonder, it's just like, you know, how can it kind of blend in? But with the shadow and with it just kind of like terracing with the landscape, it really does. And I was like, so extremely impressed with it. I mean, how does this read to someone who's colorblind? I wonder, like red, green, colorblind. <laughs> I don't know the answer okay. to that, but it's like, it is, a, it is a contrast, right? The the red yeah. and the green. And like you said, they do kind of blend together, but the appropriate material for the appropriate use, right? And so cantilevering yeah. thinner uh, objects in the composition are wood. They're a lighter weight, right? They're, the brick is the mass. It's the foundation. It's the volumes. It, it's yeah. holding everything up. And so... It is kind of interesting to see the play of two different materials that look so similar in kind of when you step back and look at the whole thing, but they're appropriately used for their purpose. So it was interesting is as we were driving through and we were looking at like this one and then looking at this post, we'll have a couple, you know, two shots of a smaller Usonian called the Smith House. And you drive through these neighborhoods and they're, um, like I said, you know, rather affluent areas and... The houses there are larger, I won't, don't really want to call them builder homes, but there are some builder homes there. But I mean, they're just these larger, very traditional suburban homes. And they, all of those houses sit on the landscape, not in the landscape. And the mm -hmm. thing that, mm -hmm. you know, I love about these is because they're actually a reasonably decent size house. You know, and you've got like, you know, two and three floors in, in some cases, but because they're so carved in and they're terraced and from one view, it really, uh, so I had pulled up, you know, basically you can kind of like drive around the house and see it from a couple of different views. And when you pull to like, say, let's just call it the, the Eastern side of this. And so again, if, you know, people are are listening, um, you know, you can kind of see the, the way that it kind of sets in and it kind of is carved into it. And there's like a really small, it's like, I can stand next to it and look at the roof, not look at the wall because I'm standing higher than the actual roof is. Mm -hmm. But then when I walk around to the front on the same facade, I'm actually at the front door underneath the, the kind of like terrace, uh, canopies, and you, you, you know, you've, you've engaged it at a, you know, a story and a half with the clear stories. And then you walk around to another side. And so the view that we're kind of, Evan and I are sort of talking about right now, then you're actually standing at a two-story volume and it feels like a two-story volume. And it's so interesting the way that the scale changes as you just walk around this. You go it's from really dynamic. Yeah. standing over it to standing in it to standing under it it's yeah. and i think one thing that I, you see here even in this image that you're looking at here with the low wall kind of reaching out i think that's something <laughs> that really impacted me at a young age looking at wright's work 
that we talked about last time, wing spread, right? The mm-hmm. Roby house. These are very stretched out and they have like these elements that stretch out and engage the landscape yeah. and the house becomes retaining wall, right? Like oh, yeah, many, yeah, yeah. in many circumstances, you see this at Falling Water, you see it in many examples of homes he, that he did where it's fully integrated and part of the structure of the landscape. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And And you look at it and you like, you think, okay, yeah, that's probably going to cost a little. Even if we were going to build it today, that's going to cost a little bit. But, you know, it's no real different. If you think about it, it's no real different from somebody building something with a basement or things like that. Mm, It's just this one, half of the basement is exposed and half of the basement is dug into the ground like a normal basement. Yeah. Half basement. Exactly. So, you know, and so I'm, I'm... you know, for, again, the listeners, I'm kind of like, you know, scanning through a couple of, I took a handful of shots of, of each of the houses. And, you know, this is where I was saying that you kind of are standing up over looking down at the house. And it just, again, just feels like different scales in different levels of engagement of the house. And it's just a, this is like a model view, you know, this is, it really is. This is, this is what you, it looks like somebody built a model of this house and you're looking mm-hmm. down on it from almost a bird's eye view, kind of a three yeah. quarter. In, in this almost, this keeps you very honest in the way that you treat your, your roofs as well, because these roofs aren't going to, are going to be seen. They're going to be engaged. You're like, you, it is much of the facade as the facade is. And so you have to be, very genuine with what you do with it because otherwise you know if you just did like a cruddy three tab shingle roof you know asphalt shingle roof it's Mm -hmm. not it's going to be a completely different character than um some of the other ones it's like when a when we were up in milwaukee and we were looking at the burnham block and there's a series of houses that wright did and one of those houses, somebody actually had put siding on it. And so the character and the language of that house was completely eradicated. They tried to mm. keep some of the, the right styling cues. But at the end of the day, it was, it, it was basically so like that the whole language of right was eradicated by putting the siding on there. Because, I mean, it was, just, it was not, not good. Um, Hmm. what I did find out later though, is that that whole block, all except for one of the buildings is owned by a nonprofit and they're actually trying to restore all of them back to their original glory, which is, which is really interesting. If I can find out the information I was, I was asking, uh, some of one of the groups that I follow on Facebook for some of the information. And if, if I can find it, what I'll do is I'll, uh, post it in the show notes um, for people to go and take a look at it take a look at what Burnham Block actually is. And, you know, if they feel so inclined, do a little bit, little bit of donation to the, to the group. Hmm. So, so then we got to the, this is the Smith house. And this one, they, you know, had a, you know, a gate up and I really couldn't get any closer and I didn't really feel comfortable walking up to it. Um, but this is definitely one Whereas, you know, dealing with a lot of like the different textures over, you know, like the patterns over the clear story, almost like creating kind of like a breeze block type 
atmosphere with the overhangs. Again, here's something that you do not perceive or see where the front door is. But if you kind of see there's, you know, doors and windows underneath it. But as you like move and you're looking straight on from the street of what would be considered the front facade, you don't see door one. You don't it's perceive private. where it's at. It's very private. And it looks yeah. back in most of this is it, this is a little bit more kind of like a single story. It, it kind of opens up. It's not as terraced. It's not too far from the Affleck house, but the, the land sort of like flattens out a little bit. There's a, there's a pond in the back of it. Is it more of a lake? It looks like kind of side to side terracing, not yes. as much as the other, as the yeah. Affleck house, but not front to back like the Affleck house. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And this is another one that they, they have tours of. I did, however, find, as I was telling you, there's one in Ann Arbor. So not too far from us near that the owner of the house in Ann Arbor had seen the Affleck house and was so blown away and smitten by it that they, you know, tracked um, Franco right down and asked him, this was in 1950 when they, so we were, we're talking what, like seven, eight years before his death. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he was in his early eighties, uh, because <laughs> I found out that he lied about his age. And for some reason was telling everybody that he was two years younger than he actually was. Not sure why. I mean, it was. It's Nobody so... wants to hire that, hire that senile architect. He's, he's I mean, at least two years younger than senile. It was like, oh, 90 is a lot different than 92. And yep. apparently he, he passed at 92. And, and so it was, it was like, what, what, what's different about, like, I mean, I don't see That's 88 funny. versus 90. It was, Pretty it was close. a really weird yeah. one. You know, I, I guess you have all of your, you know, creative juices at 88, but you don't at 90. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so, but, um, they, they saw the Affleck house and they were smitten by it. And so they commissioned Wright to do, um, a house for them. And so there's this really amazing house in Ann Arbor. What's amazing about it also is that it's an Airbnb. So if you want oh, to stand wow. a, if you want to stand a right house for the low, low price of $750 a night, you can. Wow. I know, right? So yeah, I mean, that was another, as I said, another weekend with Wright. Um, so it was, it was a really, really fun and um, interesting to kind of discover more of Wright and realize that there's. Apparently there's a scouting Boy Scout troop in the Grand Rapids area that gives tours to do fundraising for their Boy Scout troop mm. uh, that tours um, a handful of the Frank Lloyd Wright houses in the Grand Rapids area. Um, and there's like, I think like four or five in a neighborhood and you, at least three of them are open for tours and, uh, but it's one of those steep prices of, uh, you know, it's like a hundred and some odd bucks to tour. I'm like, whoa, now kids, how about you just like find me a Girl Scout and give me some cookies? Cause they don't, they don't have the cookies to sell. I mean, they got, I know, right. Some, that's, that's uh, yeah. my, when my sons they were in Scouts, that, that money machine called Girl Scout cookies. 
Exactly. The girl, the girl scouts there, they are a organized crime. Yeah. You know, situation. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, I mean, $4 a box and they're like raise millions upon millions of dollars per year at $4 a box. Um, it's, you know, it's exceptional. But yeah, so So you said you have another one coming. You, you've, you found more that, that have, so I found more revealed through this process that you're going to seek out. So I'm, I'm on a mission to find and see as many bright houses in Michigan as I can. (laughs) Nice. And apparently there's, there's a lot. The thing that I also would like to find is just start to kind of like really hunt down some of these mid-century masters and, and really kind of look and showcase and share with you, seeing how I can't get you out to the Midwest or. Are you uh, planning on visiting like the GM headquarters and. Oh my gosh. The the big Saren and stuff. And yes, the, the um, General Motors Innovation Center. Mm -hmm. Yes. That is actually a huge, huge bucket list of mine um, because that I really, it's just, it, you know, it's amazing. It's, it, to me, it feels very much on par with like, say the S.E. Johnson um, mm-hmm. headquarters because mm-hmm. it's a campus and, and really there's a lot, there's a lot of similarities to like, maybe not the way that the buildings are laid out. I mean, this is, you know, this is something more modern and it's a, and it's like layout, got a reflecting pond in the middle, right. big globe, you know, and then all the buildings around it. I've driven past it a couple of times, d- craning my neck and just, is that the, and it was like, yes, yes, it was. And, but there's very limited tours on that one as well. And so I've basically been picking up the brains of anybody around here, architecturally related that I can to just have conversations with them about it. Found out that there's a Marcel Breuer, like in my neighborhood, there is a Marcel Breuer library. I've I've seen it multiple times, but um, they're doing some renovations to it. And uh, in addition that I'm going to just leave the jury out for now. But as I'm starting to see it evolve, I'm questioning its appropriateness to, as an addition to a Breuer. Is this a new addition? It's happening now or what do you mean? It's a, it's a new addition. They're expanding the library. It's kind of outgrown. It's grown well past the, what was the original one. And so there's kind of a, you know, building onto the back of it and just there you could leave it yeah well we'll we will we will talk about step that away. one later yeah we'll talk about Put that your one hands later. on the back of your head and step away from the vehicle exactly exactly <laughs> and and as i start driving around and trying to get to know gross point there are some amazing both mid-century houses around here but then also kind of the early turn of the century type houses and there's just this treasure trove of the most quirkiest of Tudor style houses Hmm. because they're Tudor but they're not like staunch very they've got like they're almost like if Walt Disney 
was asked to like design a Tudor village and yeah. kind of like cartoonized it a little bit and, yeah. you know, kind of just made it a little bit. There's one house that I'm going to put in the, it's like I, a I'm caricature just, of, of Tudor. It is. It, it, it yeah. very much is. And it, and it's such a, but it's such an interestingly weaved neighborhood or community that. Yeah, again, it's one of those, you know, hey, Evan, you could come out, you should come out here and visit. I'll come out and visit you. I'll come out and visit you, but you got to come out and visit me. Because I also have plans, and this is another one reason why I got to get you out here, is this has literally been a bucket list since I knew of their existence, probably like maybe fourth, fifth week of first year of architecture school was Louis Sullivan's Midwest banks. Mm. And so, and, and there, there's been several people that have connected with on Facebook that have been posting pictures of these banks. And it's just, to me, I just kind of drool of that period of time. He's one of my favorite architects and it's so interesting because you can definitely see. Sullivan's influence on Wright, you know, in the way that he did, mm. you know, that he had kind of adorned a box and with kind of like this, whereas kind of Frank kind of cut away instead of applied, it was still, it was still a decoration of form. And what was really interesting about those, it just, I don't know, there's just something about them. I just, I, that is a bucket list that I've got to see. I've, I've already mapped out every single one of them. I just need this, nice. I, I just need this guy, Evan Troxel, to come on <laughs> over here and hop in the truck and we'll hit the right trail and we'll hit all of these Midwest banks. Play architectural Pokemon. There you go. Yeah. Catch them if you can. And then of course hit, hit Chicago. We got to get you back to Oak Park. We didn't, yeah, we didn't, yeah. we didn't dive Spend deep enough in Oak there. Park. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was like the morning before a flight. And, uh... <laughs> exactly. We're like, hey, you've got three hours before you have got to check in. So what do we want to do? And drive the op- opposite direction of, was it sort of in the, I guess it was sort of the opposite direction of yeah, where you were yeah. going. Yeah, a little bit, but. But why not? Matter. Why yeah, not? exactly. It was, a, yeah, we, that we, was the perfect thing to do. We sort, we sort of just kind of walked into Unity Temple and they're like, oh, are you here for the, the tour? <laughs> like, uh, no, you know. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Is there yeah. room? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Probably was, but you know, yeah. So that was, that was another weekend with Wright. It was. Keeps con- The theme continues. Oh man, it's, it's fun to hear about all that stuff and live vicariously. So appreciate you sharing. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely going to be more to come. I've even said, <laughs> I've, it, it's, the bug has hit me, so I'm going to probably step away from the CEUs now that I found out that oh, I only wow. needed, <laughs> I was sharing this with a couple of people today because I logged in because I wasn't getting, or some of the, I guess, weekly announcements for the AIA Detroit. And I saw they had posted on their Facebook page and their Instagram that they had an event. I'm like, I, I wanted to go to that event. Why wasn't I at this event? So I logged in to check to see if my local component was still 
back in D.C., or did they change it to Detroit? And they did change it to Detroit. Apparently, I just didn't, I didn't fill out the forms and stuff to be part of the mailer of, of all of these different events. And so I kind of like stumbled upon that. And so as I was on there, I clicked on my transcripts and I looked at all of the different things and of all of the different states. So you've got like the national component and you need what 18 HSWs for that. And then I've got my Florida component and my Maryland component. And both of those need 24 hours per two years. I just finished them, right? So now I'm technically on year one of two years of HSWs. Go ahead and guess. I think I, I think I might have seen 42, yeah. Yeah. 42 HSWs. And there's just nine months of this year alone. I'm oh, sorry. You have, an, yeah. you, you have an addiction, a problem. Uh, you need to seek help. You need to get out more. You need to step away from the screen. Guess because what I did, you though? you spend plenty of time behind the screen already. You don't need to. Guess, guess what I did today? I signed up for an in-person um, IBC building code. That's, that's redundant. CEU. That's like saying, uh, what, automated teller machine, you know, the ATM yeah. machine. Yeah, exactly. You can't say IBC building code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so I signed up for another six CEUs, so. Just keep on stacking them on. No. And I still haven't done the one that I still have to do, though. I still have to do one, and that's the, the pay for the two hours of the Florida building, the advanced Florida building code one. There's way more people out there on Team Evan than there are on Team Cormac, and Team Evan is cram at the last moment, get exactly, <laughs> exactly the number you need, that's it. I, just fulfill I was, the requirement before the deadline. I was, chat, I was chatting with somebody today, and they're just like, what the hell? I'm always like, I'm cramming at the last second and here yes. you are. It's just like, I'd, I'll give you some if I was allowed yeah. to. That'd be cool. It's just like, <laughs> you know, Hey, we, let's just say we earned them together. But I will say. It's like donating PTO to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Donate your CEUs. Speaking of which, I should, probably, I should probably take a look at how much I've used so far and make sure Better that use I. use that up too. Because I, I think that I'm, I've only used up at month nine of the year. I think I've only used up the ones that I carried over from last year. So, oh, that's right. You had a bunch. Yeah. Got to carry. Well, they only let us carry over 80 hours. So it's use it or lose up to it 80. Only, you know, I, I don't. Only. Yeah, exactly. Do you, so, do you hear how, how messed up this is? Come on. <laughs> uh, do you, yeah. So, do you hear yourself? Do I hear? I do. I do. Because I have your right. mindset. Take exactly. a day off the week. <laughs> take take a day off a week for the rest of the year. Take those vacation hours. You and earned them. Go and look at some go really at some spectacular <laughs> Midwest modern architecture. Collect some and more traditional architecture on the Arcaspeak podcast. One of these days we should talk about style. Mm. Because even though I have got certain sensibilities, like, you know, more modernist tendencies and like love, you know, I still really love and appreciate as much of the traditional architecture as I do modern architecture. Mm. And 
it seems to be this wedge in our profession between, you know, the different factions. And I'm like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> you like a, mo a lot more than I do. That's for sure. I do. So, I do. Yeah, I do. But it's kind of like musical appreciation as well, right? It's like uh, we, we have a wide appreciation of a lot of different musical styles as yeah. well. Yeah, and true. I, so I know where you're coming from. I just, yeah. I don't have it quite as bad as you do on the architecture side. True. You know, it was funny as I was, I did, let's leave you with this is like, so as I was driving through Cranbrook and I was getting so excited about like looking at all of these buildings, if there's any way of like just validating to yourself, yeah, you're in the right profession. It's mm. that you physically get excited about seeing buildings and stuff and it's the emotional response yeah exactly it's like either what's wrong with you what kind of nerd are you or just yeah. like yeah you're doing the right thing i'm excited because exactly <laughs> your architectural <Like>, puppy dog <laughs> i mean there's there's all sorts of things that you know get people excited about all sorts of different things and literally it's how bricks and mortar goes together for me well, that picture that you posted or sent to me, I don't know if you posted it, of the gate, yeah, the Saren, oh, and just Lord. the gate to the campus, one of the gates, post, not even the yeah. gate, but wow. Just I, didn't I didn't post that. Um, incredible. I get a little cho choked up when I talk about <laughs> architecture. Exactly. <laughs> it just, it gets you. Gets me right but, uh, here. Gets me deep. But yeah, and, and each of the gates around Cranbrook are different. And you really can't tell which one's like, they're so, the main gate. they feel like so ceremonial. Like that one that I was going through, it clearly, because it was like one way and stuff like that, that it was more of a maintenance entrance, certainly didn't look like one. Yeah, right. It no. certainly did not that, look that like one. That gate did not say this is the back door. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, but, but the Cranbrook campus is amazing. It. Just the whole thing, teachers housing the you know, the the middle school. It's a it's a more modern, like more contemporary building, but you know more you know kind of modern in its design. But it's so well done and so well integrated with all of the other buildings throughout the campus. You know these old hundred plus year old buildings all the way through, kind of like the you know the mid century modern stuff, and just it it's. It's so well curated that it's just, it's a, it's an interesting tapestry of different buildings mm -hmm. that just work well together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, still blown away that my house is 82 years old. The math still, <laughs> I'm amazed at the math. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Good times. Well, I, I opened up another rabbit hole at the end there with the, Going back to Cranbrook, but but uh, exactly. maybe by the time this episode comes out, you will have posted a picture of the gate as well.